We respectfully request the Sangha Gregor for the sake of this assembly and all living beings. Please turn the wonderful Dharma wheel to teach and guide us how to end birth and death, leave suffering and attain bliss, and quickly realize non-birth. Kung thin dai Vì thứ pháp hội cập nhật thiết chủng sanh Tình chuyến diệu pháp luân giao đạo ngạ mùng Như há liệu sanh thoát tư Homage to the blessed, noble, and perfectly enlightened one. Namo Sadanto Suche Do Ye Ola Hodi San Miao San Puto Sye. Namo Tadakna To Yana Ya Lahade Tamil Tambo Da Toa. The unsurpassed, profound, subtle, and wonderful Dharma in a hundred thousand million aeons is difficult to encounter. Now that I am able to see and hear, I will receive and maintain it. I vow to fathom the thus come one's true and actual principles. O Buddhas and Bodhisattvas, Master, Great Master Ching Nyan, Great Master Shenhua, all good monks and nuns and all good knowing advisors are Hello everyone, today is the 9th of June 2023. We are here in uh, at Gold Forest to continue discussing the prologue to the Avatamsaka Sutra. He's prepared, so prepared by Great Master Qingyang. Uh, uh, we are now on slide 407. Uh, again, uh, this may be a little bit more abstract, more scholarly than, than uh, my, uh, I would personally prefer uh, to talk about, uh, but uh, it's good uh, that we are enduring this to learn more about the principles, we see the kind of depth 
that the teaching has, so that in the future, when you be going out there or to propagate the Dharma, or people come to your temples and our temples and ask about the Dharma, you see how ridic ridiculously shallow the understandings are. And so it's good to hear about these words and these um, concepts. And it's a, it's a tremendous uh, vajra seats, prasnya seats, for your big enlightenment. And we're talking about uh, a very rare opportunity indeed to spend this kind of time doing this. And I really appreciate it. It's a kind of difficult. That's why it's not surprising to me that there aren't that many people who can keep up with it. Okay, uh, especially on a Friday night here on, in the U.S., where I remember Friday night is an exciting night. You uh, prepare to, for the hunt tomorrow, I mean, uh, for a good time tomorrow. <laughs> okay, so, you know, normal, have a normal life, but for you to come and, uh, and study this, is, I'm very impressed. Nanda uh, is very rare indeed. Uh, so thank you for coming. Okay, let's uh, jump right into it, 407. Or perhaps they made a division to three, as did Dharma Masaji of Wuchiyo, Mountain. That is, in the 12 years prior, it was from seeing existences that the wave was obtained. And so it is called the teaching of existence of marks. I just want to check. I think we start on slide 421. 421, okay, okay, we did this already. Okay, let's yeah. do it again. You see, uh, uh, that's, uh, uh, that's um, cultivation. Uh, we screw up and we fix it. After 30 years of turning, illumining, and maintaining were comprised because the pair illumining emptiness and existence was used to maintain the previous two. 三十年后,聚转照持,以双照空有持前二故. Okay, 422. So, uh, what he's referring to is when the Buddha was uh, teaching a Dharma for 50 years. He started by teaching the uh, Agama Sutra, that's uh, for, uh, for the humans who had no wisdom whatsoever, who are sort of too intellectual, too attached to thinking, too attached to the intellect, to their wisdom, to their, I mean, to their, their smarts. So you meet such people, like the Buddha did, uh, and especially some of the people who are like uh, externalists, they practice the um, Hinduism and so forth, uh, yoga and so forth. Uh, there were a lot of uh, uh, spiritual practitioners like that. And the Buddha said, look at them and say, well, you know, I have just the right kind of things that might interest you. It's called Agama teaching. So he taught that for like uh, 22 years or odd years or so. I mean, for, for, for some times. So, so that's why he's, he's, uh, he, he talked about depending on the potential of the listeners, he would speak the Dharma accordingly. So he started out by teaching. Uh, so there, uh, so when, when, uh, when the, so later, uh, he started teaching more and more, very much like us. Uh, 
And then later, when his students became acquire knowledge and became wiser and have the ability, were transformed into tremendously wise people, then he said, well, for me to challenge you, I will need to step it up and teach more and more uh, profound principles. So Buddhism actually uh, is depth that you will not find in any, any teaching in the world in the human realm, okay? And not only is it more profound, but also it has the ability to help you develop your mind in a way that uh, will help you transcend your own limitations. See, what you don't realize is you put limitation on yourself without knowing it, okay? It's because you didn't know better didn't know that you are much better than you think you are. Okay. Mm. So anyway, so the Buddha taught that, and that's what enthralled his disciples. They became, they opened the wisdom and said, wow, there's more, really, after this? So that's why he taught, he taught and taught and taught and taught. And after 50 years of teaching, he said, okay, that's enough. Okay, uh, it's time for me to go. Well, and... Uh, and so he said, uh, what I did here is enough, and I will, uh, for the foreseeable future, I can see uh, that uh, my dharma would be good enough for all the Buddhist disciples, okay, all my followers. So he has that vision. He knew already it's time to go. And so he taught certain teachings over time. And so after he's gone, then the scholars, the, the Dharma masters in particular, the uh, monks and nuns, who were uh, very, very intrigued by his teaching. It's fascinating uh, that the, the more that they study Buddhism, the Buddha Dharma, the more they like it, the more challenged they became. And, and, uh, and, and so they studied all the Buddhist teaching and started by classifying them, dividing them to different types of teachings. What for? In order to help people who are much more limited than they are, uh, much less knowledgeable than they are, to understand the teachings, the Buddha's teachings. Okay? So they divide it into like Buddhist teaching to periods, to three periods, you know, three types of teaching, two types of teachings, four, five, and so forth. Okay? So, uh, so it's interesting how the scholars uh, in, in China, in India, uh, they, uh, back then, they used to, to uh, systematize, or classify the system in order to... Um, teach the followers. Okay, so that's why you have these, these uh, teachings. So right now we're talking about three types of teachings that these scholars decided to classify them. Uh, uh, so the three types of teachings are in 30 years, meaning 20 years of prasya, and seven years of, um, of uh, prasya teaching and seven prior years of teaching. So they, they divide into three, uh, turning a dharma wheel, illumining the Dharma wheel and maintaining a Dharma wheel. Okay, so what does it mean? Turning a Dharma wheel, meaning that the very first period when they started teaching, he says, I will turn a Dharma wheel. It's called turning a Dharma wheel. You talk about the Four Noble Truths. 
the truth of suffering, the truth of accumulation, the truth of extinction, and the truth of the way. He basically says, you know, first thing you ought to be aware of, don't neglect this. You taught to run away from this and ignore this and avoid it. But you see, it doesn't matter what you do, you suffering. You are suffering, big time. Okay? The nature of life is suffering, like it or not. Okay? And so, so that's why it's called turning a Dharma wheel. That's the first wheel of the Dharma, the first truth, he says. First turning of the wheel, the first speaking of the Dharma. This is, this is the kind of noble truths because it's unchanging. It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter who you are. Okay? You suffer. We all suffer. We have all sorts of sufferings. Okay? Next truth, next turning the wheel is called uh, the uh, accumulation. He says, suffering. If you come to accept suffering as a fact of life, you realize next it accumulates, meaning that more just and just accumulation, actually it, it adds up, but not just adds up, it accrues, but also layer by layers by layers. So what you do when you revolve in a real reincarnation, okay, every time you're born, you suffer, and your suffering actually adds on top of the existing layers of suffering to the point where we're so confused. We lost track. It's so overwhelming that no one dares look at it anymore. We all learn, we always have, we're smart, so let's not look at things we cannot help, but look at things we can, like pleasure. Hmm? Because it's easier to figure out how to have pleasure, to have fun, than to solve suffering. Hmm? And the one thing, the one thing, one fact about us is that we're scared to look at our faults, our truths. Okay? We don't like to look at it because it's very uncomfortable. It's very unpleasant. Okay? Uh, can you imagine going to see your friends and share about your sufferings? You say, oh, you know, today I found out I'm really suffering, you know that? It's so fascinating. You know, Buddhism is so fascinating. You know, I realize that I have all my life is about suffering. Everywhere I look, everything I do is actually suffering because of suffering and causes even more sufferings on top. Really? And that's what they call depressed people. And your, your friends will shun you. So that's, that's what happens. Um, so, uh, so that's why we, you know, we can only do with so much and the Buddha can do with so much. Yes, one. Master, I have a question that uh, sometimes, a lot of times I see my faults and uh, immediately I feel bad about myself. It's like, uh, because I see the faults, um, but if I just drop it, should I just drop it? Once I see my faults, I drop it and move on, or how should I handle it? That's a good point. If you see your faults, what kind of faults do you have? Can we talk about it? Well, there are a lot. <laughs> um, for example, I don't like my mom. <laughs> you don't like your mom? 
Well, I see her and I get afflicted. <laughs> Can we get something worse? <laughs> hmm? So, so you have you see your faults. What it has to do with suffering? Uh, Master, you were just talking about uh, we should be looking at our faults. So when? Just, just two minutes ago. <laughs> I did. Did I say that I should be looking at your 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 faults? I'm just looking at your suffering. You, you People said, are afraid to look at their suffering. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, and how do you translate that into faults again? I heard the faults part, but maybe I'm wrong. But anyway, this question, I can still ask a question, right? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, it, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's funny um, because it seems to me that you are you are influenced okay. uh, in that in that I spoke very clearly I thought I've been talking about suffering it's not nothing about faults you are perfect you are beautiful people I wouldn't dare bring up your faults okay you have to look at them yourselves okay. Uh, I think maybe you were talking about uh, people usually look at the pleasant sides of things. They don't look at the suffering. And somewhere there, you maybe you mentioned people don't look at the faults. Why are people afraid to look at their own suffering? Because it's depressing. Because you can't do anything about it. It's so depressing. There's, there's, a type, there's certain types of suffering we cannot do anything about. So that's why we, we choose. We have to look away. We have to go have a drink. We have to go have fun because it distracts us from our sufferings. I'm not talking about faults. I'm talking about the suffering. And that's what people do is they run away from it. They don't dare look at their own sufferings. Because they can't do anything about it. Even the smartest people, they can't know, not do anything about it. That's a terrifying thing. So we accept the fact that we are, we can't do anything about it. Why should you? That's what the Buddha says. The first thing you do when he started, when I started talking, when I first started teaching, I said the truth of suffering was, why are you so pessimistic? Okay, there's so, so many more pleasant things in lives that we can talk about. And that's a fallacy. And the fallacy is that in Buddhism, we explain to you that mm, you have to face the fact is that we are suffering. And it accumulates. Nothing you can do about it. Okay? Unless, unless, unless in Buddhism, the Buddha has a wisdom, he says, you can make all of that disappear. Just like that. And that's great news. The truth cannot be changed is that we're suffering, and it, it piles up. 
doesn't matter who you are. It keeps piling up your suffering. If you, if you ignore, it keeps on piling up to the point where it's, it's overwhelming for you. Look at your own lives, our own lives. We are overwhelmed by life, by our own suffering, the pressure and the stress and the unmet desires and the failings of your body. Hmm? And the Buddha says, if, the th turning of the wheel, he says, if you want to know why I'm telling you that, because I want you, if, unless you, like me, where I, when I came to this world, I was born in this world, I was born as a, as a prince, a royal prince, okay? Uh, emperor in waiting, a king in waiting. I realized that all the pleasant things in life will not solve my sufferings. They only are band-aids. They're only masking my underlying suffering. So I found a way to end all the suffering forever. I never suffer again. It's called extinction. There's a way to end your suffering. If I could do it, so can you. That's the third turning. He's the first person in human realm who says, I've done it. So can you. You should do it too. My disciples have done it. So can you. It's called something called the way. There's a way to do it. There's a path that all of us can do it. Monks, nuns, men, women, children, dragons, all of us. Okay? And that's why it's called turning, years of turning the Dharma wheels. He was going around teaching people that. And people became interested and they, they followed his, his style of cultivation. They said, wow, this is for real. This is so cool. Okay? And then, and then and after that, he, he, he stepped it up. He says, now he, he used the illumining. Okay? Uh, so uh, the, uh, and then next he does the maintaining. Okay? So... You know, illuming, uh, so turning Dharma wheel, as he talked about the, the Four Noble Truths. Illumining is, he says, you take, a, uh, you take a emptiness and you look at uh, your lives and you realize that you look at very closely, you see that actually it's uh, not worth attaching to. If you look at under bright lights, exhaustively, then you see your attachments are nonsense. Attachments are actually the one, the things that really make you suffer. Okay? And maintaining is that, is that uh, in uh, uh, maintaining or comprise, the, 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 uh, the uh, third Dharma wheel is maintaining, uh, where actually they, they, the Buddha helps us look at emptiness in existence. So emptiness is not alone, it's not enough. 
he says, also the existence uh, is also needs to be looked at, okay, so that your wisdom is more balanced. And then you realize that actually life is not the, 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 the balance viewpoint. And wisdom is that emptiness and existence are non-obstructive, okay? And, uh, and there's something, if you really have true wisdom, then it's called true emptiness. Emptiness it actually is, um, is uh, only a subset, a small thing of something called true emptiness. Existence is also a small set of something called wonderful existence. Okay? Uh, and, and they are non-obstructive, meaning what? Meaning in that you can have empty meaning you detach, and you can attach at the same time. Okay, uh, and so, uh, so that's the real wisdom, right? The real Buddhist wisdom is that uh, it's balance. Okay. Next, uh, and so, uh, so he illumine, uh, he illumine, he, he, he meaning you, you shine a bright lights on emptiness in existence. Emptiness is everything returns to empty. Everything will become empty eventually. That's called the principle of emptiness. Existence is that it's real. Okay? So when you, when you understand these two aspects of life, okay, you can both attach and detach. All right? Next, 424. Or perhaps they made a division to four, as did Dharma Master Ji of the Sung Dynasty. That is, to the previous three times, after that of marklessness, and before that of the permanent dwelling. Okay, so this is continuing with how they chose to divide and classify the teachings, the Buddhist teachings, uh, in, uh, and calling different names, uh, and into four. This has the four periods, four types of teaching that are critical. Uh, and the Samdha Master back then, or Jesus, Sung Dynasty, and so forth. And he, he chose. He chose to say that uh, their previous teachings of uh, uh, marklessness and, and uh, existence of mark marklessness and permanent dwelling actually is uh, one more. Okay, and so um, there's something called identical return. Okay, uh, that is before they only have this existence of mark of marklessness and the permanent dwelling. He says actually. Uh, there's one more called teaching of identical return, okay? Uh, and uh, and uh, 426, he places the Dharma Flower Sutra as a teaching of identical return because he gathers the three to return them to the one and transfer the mirror goods completely to Bodhi. Okay, 
So 427, he says, um, all the other teaching I talked uh, that people classified, there's something actually called in, I, he quoted a Dharma Flower Sutra as a teaching of identical return. Okay, uh, what does he mean, identical return? Mm. Identical return because all the other teachings uh, of the three vehicles, uh, the three vehicles meaning this, the Arhat's vehicle, the Pratika Buddha vehicle, and Bodhisattva vehicle. All those three vehicles, okay, actually uh, uh, are preparations to bring them back to that one source where they came from, all the teachings came from. Very much like, very much like all the water from the tributaries, from the streams and the, and the rivers, all had to return back to the ocean. Inexorably, they all have to go back to the ocean. Okay? So very much like all the teachings are returned to one, okay? One teaching in the Dharma Flower Sutra. Okay? And so that you gather all the three vehicles there, all those uh, three teachings, or the three vehicles, the one supreme vehicle, Buddha vehicle. Okay? Why? Because then you have the big picture that the myriad goods completely transfer to Bodhi, meaning that all the teachings of the prior vehicles okay, are the teachings of goodness. Buddhism is the study of goodness and the practice of goodness. You transform okay, all your suffering, all your karmas into goodness. That's how you affect uh, your own salvation, your own liberation. Okay? And all the mere goodness, all the three vehicles, in order for you to end your suffering, you have to do good. That's a very simple principle. You suffer because you were evil. You were a bad person. Okay? And and so the, the secret is that in, in order for you to escape, you have to do good and dedicate it for your own enlightenment. That's what it takes. Okay? And that's why all the other teachings until the Dharma Flower Sutra or Lotus Sutra, okay, Mm, they basically are preparation. They just bring you back to the one teaching that, meaning that the Anilota Sutra, okay, where all of them actually will prepare you to become a Buddha. That's what it's about. Okay, and the myriad goods from the Agama teaching, from the uh, Ahats teaching, the Puri teaching, the the uh, uh, the. Uh, um, Another period after Agama, another period called Prashna, which teaches more about how to become enlightened and so forth. Uh, you have, you know, all those are actually prepping the way for you to, be, to attain the supreme attainment called enlightenment. Okay, Buddha. You become a Buddha yourself. 
And that's very important. Don't settle for less than that. Okay? Mm. 429. Or perhaps they make a division into five, which moreover has two representatives. So before they talk about four periods, now they talk about five. Uh, and there are two types of Dharma masters who advocate that. Uh, 431, one is Hui Guan and the others uh, and the others of Dao Chang, who after the marvelous and before the identical return, place a Vimala Kirti and Videsha Shasinta and so forth as a teaching of reproach and acclaim. Okay, 432. Uh, one group is represented by Dharma Master Hui Guan. Hui Guan uh, was, um, uh, was a uh, Chinese master who's the master uh, whose teacher was uh, Indian master, Dharma Master Buddha Bhatra. Buddha Bhatra is, uh, came from India, and he went to China to help uh, propagate Buddhism. He had this, uh, this uh, idea here to propagate Buddhism, translated a lot of sutras, important sutras, such as Avatamsaka Sutra. Mm. And so he actually uh, was, uh, uh, was um, despised. They threw him out. The, uh, the Chinese uh, uh, didn't like him. So, and eventually he, he ended up at a way place called Tao Chang, okay? Uh, that temple called Tao Chang. And then he received, he, he taught a lot of disciples, among which uh, was Hui Guan and all the Dao masters okay, who studied Buddhism, who really did uh, study uh, the Buddhist teaching uh, extensively. And they uh, believe uh, that they should, there should be five types of teachings, okay? Mm. And so, so they said that uh, after the teaching of marks and marklessness uh, and ahead of identical return and ahead of teaching permanent dwelling, there's something called the teaching of reproach and acclaim, okay? What is reproach and what is acclaim? Mm. So he says, reproach is that this is a kind of very Chinese, very Buddhist, he says, uh, the many Buddhist practitioners, Buddhist believers, who, uh, who uh, attain wisdom, okay? Wisdom is that they are able to detach. Difference is that if you cannot detach, then you are confused. If you are able to detach, then you have some wisdom. And that is, mm, that was attained or certified by some practitioners called arts or Pratika Buddhas. They can detach. They can detach on, on all the worldly things. Whereas we can't. That's why we're confused. If you cannot detach, it's like you carry your, your baggage wherever you go, everywhere you go. And you see, can you imagine how tiring it is? 
to carry attachment, you keep on, you cannot let go. So you carry it with you, you take it with you constantly. Okay? Uh, and, but the arhats and the sound hearers and practical Buddhas are the ones who have wisdom because that they can drop it, they can let go. When we can't, they can. And that's called wisdom, by the way. Okay? So the arhats are incredible people. They, can, they have tremendous wisdom. That's why they, they are able to drop the myriads of things in the world. Name something you can't. Something's important to you. Your children. Ahat says, you can have them. What else is important to you? Money. Ahat says, don't give me money. I don't know what to do with it. It's useless to me. That's wisdom. Okay? And that's why the problem with these people is they're, un, they, they, they're imbalanced, they're extreme. They're so detached on everything about life. And they call it wisdom. So that's why they're very, very happy. They're so happy because they look at us and say, You guys are suffering so much. Why? Why do you have to live like that? So they said, I can choose not to be like you. To whatever you attach to, I don't. And that's the ahats of Pratika Buddhas. And the Buddha, so the Buddhas, in the Buddha's teaching, these uh, monks, uh, these scholars say, in the Buddha's teachings, actually, there's a section called the teaching period called the teaching of reproach, where he actually says, I taught you to let go, and you succeeded in letting go, let me tell you, there's a problem with that, okay? Uh, that is, the call of, this is, uh, this is uh, the Buddhist uh, uh, jargon, withered uh, sprouts and sterile seeds, okay? Mm. Meaning that, uh, that the ahats have wisdom, but they're useless. It's like the seeds. Uh, they are sterile. You plant all you want, then nothing good comes out of it. Okay? Or it comes up, the sprout comes up, but then it will never grow into anything of use to us. So what's the point in spending your life attaining that? When are you going to wake up? Because what happened to these people is that it's very, very important danger that when you practice, you need to prepare for. Okay? Besides, besides something called the Khanda uh, demons, where you experience these, these things as you, you practice before you open your wisdom. There's something called the skanda demons, 50 skanda demons, where you are able to have these spiritual things. That's so cool. That's so extraordinary. That ordinary people would don't. You have this sensitivity about energy. You're seeing things. You're hearing things. You understand things. And... and 
it, that you never could before. And those are, those are the pitfalls of the process. And the Buddha names it out. When you go, you have, it's just like you go through this phase where this terrain, where it's kind of dangerous. You have to be, be aware of it. Okay? And if you are aware of it, you're caught, you're prudent, you will not get in trouble. That's all it takes. Whereas the non-Buddhist disciples, the non-Buddhist uh, practitioners, they, when they practice, they go beyond uh, their understanding, the Vedas in, in Hinduism or whatever they have, in yoga, whatever they have, okay, uh, in, in various practices. They don't, they're not aware of this range of, of dangerous territories where you can get lost and you can, you can get possessed by demons. You're not careful. So the Buddha says, beware of this. Okay, and so, so the Ahats, his disciples, they say, oh, okay, oh, it's that simple. I just soon, soon take it as a big deal. Whatever thing, it will go away. It will not, will not be there forever, okay? It's not a big deal, very much like I see it, and eventually I will not see it anymore. It's just a phase in my travel. I get to see, uh, see the desert, I get to see the oceans. What's a big deal? Okay, it's no big deal, okay? Yeah. And so the ahats have that kind of edge over the non-Buddhist practitioners. That's why they made it. Because if in that process you become attached to how cool it is for you to be able to see things, to sense things, okay, then you get in trouble. You become attached, so the arts made it through that strange terrain, and they can detach on everything, to the point where they are so detached from life. Then the point is, if that's, if that's all you're going to shoot for, then you're useless. Your life is meaningless. You have wisdom, but it's only for yourself. That's why the theorem meant, you know, you, you're, just, you're just doing everything for yourselves. So, you basically are useless. You can't benefit anyone but yourself. That's why you know, the Buddhas and Bodhisattvas are very, very adamant about this. He says, beware, okay? Having wisdom has a pitfall as well. First level wisdom has a pitfall where you're so detached that you basically disengage from life, which makes you totally useless. Your life has no meaning. You may have a little bit of wisdom, but it won't be any good for anyone but yourself. So very much like when the, the terrain I talked to you about where there's some demons things there, it's kind of demons where you're able to see things and do things that, that, uh, that, uh, uh, that ordinary people don't or can't. 
Okay? And then you go to the next phase where you actually are able to detach from everything. There's another pitfall there, a much bigger pitfall. If you detach from, if you attach to demons, you still can be helped. It's still recoverable. But if you detach like the arts do, when you say, you, you, you come to them and say, you know, there's a lot more, much better things than this, on this path than you're experiencing. You know what the arhats would say? What for? It's empty anyway. So Buddhas and Bodhisattvas are very, very uh, adamant, very critical of such attitudes. So they use harsh words such as withered sprouts. It comes out. The seeds come out already, but it withers. It's useless. Or the sterile seeds. You plant the seeds, you keep on planting and planting seeds, but it amounts to nothing. So sometimes you in Buddhism, uh, the like master people like Master Shinhua and so forth are very have very harsh words to the Hinayana people who are shooting to become arhats. Okay? Because because mm, it's a real danger. Once you attach to this ahats kind of wisdom where you detach from everything, nothing is that important. You can drop anything. Okay? Uh, then you're in big, big trouble. It's the total waste of time. All the things you accomplished until then are nullified. And therein lies a concept of a claim that when you go beyond that, why would you go beyond that? Why would you want to go from detachment every time and feeling so happy and so blissful every single day, every single moment in your life, you feel so free, you feel so happy, blissful? Okay. Um, there's something far greater much more blissful, okay? Uh, and that's why they claim. He says, if you want to avoid it, there's something called the Bodhisattva pathways where um, they, the first thing, that what's, uh, the, what's the difference between the Bodhisattvas and the Ahats? Bodhisattvas, the first major difference is Bodhisattva says, I want to become a Buddha. Ahats don't. Ahats only say, I want to become an Ahat. I want to become a Pratyeka Buddha. And that's incredible wisdom already. So what happened is the, is the reproach. Part of the teaching is that you are too short-sighted. The teaching or claim is that this is a big picture, okay? We're doing all this. You want, you want true happiness. You want to have true wisdom. You have to become a Buddha, okay? Uh, and and so, so that's why the, if you, all of you who took refuge already, 
In that refuge ceremony there, we have a portion where it says, I vow to become a Buddha. Because that's called great resolve for Bodhi. And that very single act there of you saying, I vow to become a Buddha, guarantees you will become a Buddha. That's how powerful it is. That's the kind of wisdom that Buddha has. Meaning that it doesn't matter what you do now, but eventually you will become a Buddha. Guaranteed. So the question is, how soon do you want it? Hmm? How soon do you want it to happen? If you want it sooner, then eventually, eventually, you will be pushed into cultivating the six parameters, giving, uh, what else? You have to memorize these things. You don't memorize these things, it would take you longer to become a Buddha, okay? You want to memorize them or not? This is critical. Okay, Vanessa, what's first one giving? Number two is what? She says, I'm having fun here. Precepts. When you give, what happens when you give your true blessings? Then you're able to be a good person. Why people are evil and they are not able to do good? It's because they don't have enough blessings. That's a beautiful thing about blessings. Don't give your children money. Let them starve. I'm kidding. Okay? Give them blessings. When they are have blessings, you can see the natural the natural proclivities. They like to do good. They're good people. They're good children. They're good to their parents, you know. They're filial to the parents. They're good to others. And they like to do good. They're happier when they do good. And they do not want to do bad things. Every now and then, but not always. All right? So interesting. So if you have blessings, then you're able to be a moral person. Okay? And then, what's the third one? You have to memorize these six folks. What's the third one, the third parameter? Patience. Okay? A good person is very patient. He can endure all sorts of abuses from the wives. Do this, do that. Why can't you do this, we can't do that? And you quietly say, yes, honey, yes, honey. You know what I mean? That's patience. Hmm? Okay? And then, not only you say, yes, honey, number four is vigor. Not only say you say yes to your wife, you also work very hard at doing what your wife wants you to do. It's called vigor.
It's fascinating. You you guys think this is like uh, something unreasonable, and you say you it's you see it you see it manifesting itself in your daily lives. There is a progression. First, you accrue blessings. When you accrue blessings, you naturally will do good. You naturally will be able to do good, and you run away. You abstain from doing bad things. That's a very good sign right there, especially when you have children. You know, children naturally are jealous, they're selfish and so forth. Okay? That's a natural thing for them. Okay? That's part of the feeling of the world. But if they have blessings, they prefer to stay on the good side of life or behaviors. And then, and then, and then the third one is patience. And that's very important. Speaking of living with others and teaching your children and see how they develop, hmm, is that they naturally become more patient. You want to build relationships, meaningful relationships, you have to have patience. My disciple, for example, has been bugging me about some stupid things. I don't say anything. I let them fight it out. Why? Because they're learning. I'm learning how to be more patient with their stupidities. You think, do you think it's theory? No, it's like every day. You learn to be patient with people's stupidity. Especially your own disciples. How disappointing. Your own children. Can you imagine? Stupid children. I'm like, okay. Let them fight it out. Because when that happens, what happens? You suffer inside. Oh my God. Why, why me? Run away. Can, can you take a hike? Go to the other temples or something? I mean, it's, what's the matter with you? What don't you get? How dare you? I, I told them repeatedly. Under me, there's four levels. There's abbots, there's vice abbots, there is program managers, and there are assistants to me. Why do I say that? Because I've been patiently waiting for them for 15 years, 16 years. I said, now I really have these four levels. And guess what? An idiot and at level number three, which is two levels below number one, is picking five at number one. And I said, how stupid can you be? And they bugged me over that. You are number three, you're number four, because you have no wisdom whatsoever. And you don't have the samadhi power. You pick a fight with the other higher levels, you're going to get hurt. It's like you're picking a fight with the president. You're going to get hurt. But not only that. So, so everyone needs to endure. That's how you become more patient. Sometimes problems should be, should be 
let problem fester so that you learn about patience. You become more patient. If you are not patient, you cannot do big things, by the way. You cannot accomplish anything unless you become more patient. See? So I, I, I wanted to tell them this years ago, but now that we have more people, I say, okay, we better structure ourselves, and I cannot chase after all of you. So I have structure here. I train certain people and certain people so that they know, you know, they know they're supposed to, there's some people who are much, have much higher wisdom than they do. And if they don't believe it, well, pick a fight. You find out. See, who's going to get hurt? Who's going to lose? Okay? So you patiently wait. Same thing. You patiently wait for the thing to sprout and water so that it keeps on growing and growing and growing. Very much like your children. You have to invest. Okay? So, so, so number three, patience. You endure patience. This afternoon, uh, someone asked me, why do you have, I have to, you know, I meditate, I feel so good, I feel so happy about meditation. Now I come to your walking meditation class, but the first thing you do is you teach me to cross my legs and endure the pain. What am I getting? You find out you're patient enough, is my answer. Okay? Uh, and then, what's next after patience? Are you paying attention? Are you going to write it down or what? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> it's recording. Vigor. Uh, Vigor means that you really want it. You really want it. You really want it? You are become vigorous. This is the test that many of my disciples failed. And that's why I call them losers. They really don't want it. They only talk, 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 talk. And that's, to me, this is, to me, is a blueprint on how you train people. That's how you spot people. That's how you look at people's potential. Who, who says that Buddhism, we are a bunch of idiots and avoid life? I used to be in corporate America, so I saw how I was intrigued on how to train people. Okay? And this is the blueprint, Buddhist blueprint on how to develop talents, how to develop your children. Which phase are they at? Hmm? If, if they are patient with it, but you know, I don't, I don't feel like I'm, I'm, I want to, uh, to uh, apply myself too much. Okay? Then, it's time to let go. <laughs> Run, son, go get married. 
Let your wife run your lives. <laughs> okay, let your husband tell you what to do. You have to want it yourself for you to know true happiness. You cannot let others tell you what to do. You have to want it. If you don't want it, there's no point in pressuring them. See, isn't that a blueprint for getting along your children? Why do women have to ask, you know, force their children, the, the boys to get married? I don't get it. If they don't want it, let, leave them alone. It's always mom wants to have grandchildren. Say what? You see how upside down people's lives are, live their lives. And, you, and, and it's the six parameters, folks. It's life. A happy life. Praise the Lord. I mean, oh, jeez. How badly do you want it? If you badly want it, you're vigorous, okay? Then the fifth one is samadhi. You are able then, if you are driven, really driven, you can enter samadhi. You can develop this something called concentration where you can, you can, you can, you can really, really have laser focus. Most of the discoveries in the humankind is from concentration. Agree or disagree? The geniuses have terrific concentration. And it's not just concentration, but concentration has gradations, have levels as well. That's why in Buddhism, in Chan, for example, we teach you to increase concentration level. Why is it important? Because if you have concentration, you can get things done this quickly. And you have more time to have fun. Instead of using, I don't know. I don't know what to do with my life. <laughs> okay. And waiting for something to happen. Whereas you can take the bull by the horn and say, I'm going to do this, and then I will take it easy. I am going to do this, that's existence. Take it easy, says emptiness. See that? Any questions? Everyone, oh, I don't know. <laughs> How can Master turn something as sublime as the six parameters into husbands and wives? <laughs> Besides, see my point, if you have such a wisdom, your relationship with your family member is a singe. There's no more struggle. Everyone happy. 
Okay, yeah. and it's more than that, folks. The sixth one, six parameters, wisdom. Wisdom is that you know how to get things done, how to get what you want. Anything in life you want, you can get it done. That's the difference between our Buddhism versus the other approaches. I'm fascinated by how to get it done. That's how we contribute to life, to society. Leave a mark of goodness behind us. And that's what they praise it. The acclaim uh, appeared, they said, you know, these beings are superior beings. They're very low-key. You know, they walk by, you cannot tell. Like Master Shino, he walks by, oh, there's another short Chinese. That's my first impression. It's a short one. Shabbily dressed. You know, so famous, so powerful, and yet His clothes are totally uncool, unstylish. It bothered me. I said, my God. <laughs> See, I, I went to a French uh, high school, so that colored you know, my vision. The French is, you cannot live with style. Why bother living? <laughs> so if I cannot live a life of a monk with style, I don't want it. So for me, it's funny. I first look at him and said, Julie, it is what I'm going to become. <laughs> it sort of turned me off a little bit. Especially, look at how he was dressed, and how his disciples were dressed. I said, oh my God. When I have money, I will have Armani design some clothes for us. Okay, so uh, so you're laughing, but to me, to me, that's very important. Important because there's a, there's room for you to let go and and dress happily. But let me tell you what the problem is. Is that uh, these people have a hard time connecting with the people who have power, who have... So, so they limit themselves to, to, uh, to setting up a standard of purity for them, but while disengaging from society. And Buddhism, to me, serves all sorts of groups. Anyway, it's just my bias of our styles and stuff. 
I'm, I'm still shocked. I'm, I still have these images and how he was dressed and his monk's address. I said, oh my God. Yeah. Ever look at yourself in a mirror? Uh, anyway, uh, and it's weird too, because when I was practicing, uh, uh, I noticed many of them like are so proud to wear something with the with the with the uh, with the patched things. It's like a status thing. Like Google used to be the case where you you you're not supposed to drive a fancy car. So I have money, I can't enjoy myself. Seriously? Hmm? So anyway, so so they, they would you know normally on on normal days they wear some nice clothes like this, and on the weekends when a lot of people come, they would wear things with you know the collars here. Uh, we wear we we wash them a lot, so they this gets frayed. So they they put something to cover it up, you know, and they patch it up on the back. Okay, on weekends only. <laughs> uh, Anyway, how did we get into style again? Oh, Armani, Armani, remind me. <laughs> okay, so not only six parameters, please memorize six parameters. To me, six parameters have tremendous, give you tremendous insights and wisdom into the process. Uh, and that's tremendous insights. Uh, you, you will not find better. Uh, you know, I give an example of how to raise your children, how to prepare them, how to train people in corporate, in, in business, okay? how to teach students, same thing. Okay? The six parameters, if you want to help and make a difference, the core of that is the six parameters. Okay? And the 10,000 practices, what are the 10,000 practices? Ten thousand means a lot. Okay? Now it's like a trillion, not 10,000 anymore. Nowadays, it's uh, before, it's like a millionaire, right? You millionaire, people, I want to become a millionaire. Now, like so many billionaires, it's not funny anymore to mention millionaire. Like in here in San Jose, by the way, Koreans, every house is a million bucks. I walk out there, so I, I say, oh, these people are so wealthy. <laughs> They <laughs> are millionaires here in San Jose. Everywhere you go, millionaire, 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 except for the renters. <laughs> and the houseless, the homeless. Okay? And so, hmm. I mean, Suk, for example, in, at DDT, who came from Korea, who left his wife. Hmm. He owned so many properties. He's a millionaire many times over already. <laughs> As his age. Isn't that cool? Hey, you're showing off. That's Min Suk, by the way. Everyone say hello to him. Millionaire. 
<laughs> Welcome to America. <laughs> so millionaires, no big deal anymore. <laughs> I, I go in the U.S. here. It's very one of the worst thing you have to do is go to the Department of Motor Vehicles when you sit there for hours waiting for your turn. And look around, I don't dare do anything because they're all millionaires. They're all richer than I am. <laughs> okay? Uh, so now, billionaires, yeah, millionaires, quite a few. Trillionaire is what interests me nowadays. <laughs> okay, so why do we have 10,000 practices? resulted every day at our temple. Why do we do 10,000 practices? Hmm? Because you have 10,000 different kinds of food. <laughs> we are very proud of our temple. Uh, if you go to Wei Mountain Temple, it's always Vietnamese food. <laughs> but our temple, you know, I, I mean, when you go to Go For, it's always Vietnamese food. <laughs> when you go to Wei Mountain Temple, we eat, what is we eat? Vietnamese, we eat Chinese, we eat, what else? Tacos, Taco Tuesdays, huh? and we have Korean, of course. Okay. Impossible burgers. <laughs> How, when you do the 10,000 practices, you have 10,000 blessings. Very much like when you're born, you know, tomorrow we start the um, land, the Fochi, yeah. born into the land, you, you feel like eating Polish, beef stroganoff comes. You want Neapolitan, Neapolitan pizza, now you have to fly to Naples, okay? okay. Then, then, you know, you have true authentic Na Na Neapolitan pizza, let me tell you, you have to go to Italy. U.S. here, I realized that it's not the real one. They call themselves authentic Neapolitan pizza. No, don't buy it. How do we get to pizza again? <laughs> anyway, so you, you, you have the 10,000 practices that creates 10,000 blessings. And that's what makes life. Interesting. Because you want all sorts of blessings so that when you go to the Pure Land, it manifests itself in the Pure Land. You want whatever food in the Pure Land, it comes. It's from your blessings. Don't ignore this. Don't neglect this. Plant blessings. That's what the 10,000 practices are for. Meaning... You 
do good. Every single chance you have. If you can benefit someone, do it. Don't hesitate. No matter how small it is, how insignificant it is, because you never lose. Okay, and so the their claim is that you know these people are special. They have the big resolve. They know they have a have a big picture. Is that you know I want to become a Buddha. Okay, and that's the ultimate attainment for me. I don't know quite what it is yet, but I know that's where I'm go. I'm going. What else? Compare that versus your children. What do they want to be when they grow up? President of the United States. That's it? Emperor of China? That's it? It's too small. Hmm. And then uh, in order to do that, those people in the know who have, uh, who who, who have blessings will be practicing the six paramitas and the 10,000 practices. So, for example, we are part of a network of such people who have made a big resolve, practice the, ten, the six paramitas and 10,000 practices. And I try to explain to people, to my students, that it's a network. It's not like uh, one of my Chinese disciples says, you know, I love this community of, of people who pursue this, you know, this, this, uh, this, uh, this, this, um, these insights, uh, these spiritual practices, or superior practices. It's a network versus a community because What's the difference? Community of Vietnamese, huh? community of Jewish practitioners, community of, I don't know, whatever community you can think of. It's very small. What about network? Network is a system of communities. Why is it network? Where are those communities? In the Dharma realm. Because you belong here now in Sao world. Next time you go to the Pure Land, next time you go to another world, another world, you, you be part of that network of people who are going towards this thing called Bodhi, practicing the six paramitas, and cultivating the 10,000 practices is such networks of people. We know each other. You don't need to sign up and become a member of World Perks or anything like that. You have the key. You are able to enter lifetime after lifetime after lifetime. Incredible network. Don't think so small. 
But unfortunately, truth be told, our network here, our node of the network here, is one of the least desirable places. <laughs> Too poor. <laughs> Compared to, for example, you go to Western Blissfield, it's fabulous. You're talking about rich, talking about cool. Yes, JMT. We cannot hear you. Master, you told me that don't give money to children and let them starve. Then I don't feel guilty when I go to temple without preparing meal for them. Is it right? What? You told, let, don't give money to children and let them starve. So what if, if I go to temple without uh, preparing a meal for my children and go to temple, then I don't need to feel guilty. Is it right? Don't give children money to children, let them starve. Is that what she said? Don't put words in my mouth. <laughs> she said. <laughs> that's what she said, right? She claims that's what I said. Let, I, I, I advocated starving children now? Is that, is that what this is about? What, who is this person again, this Korean person? Oh, is it the translator? Heads will roll. You know what heads will roll means? You, you like, you cut someone's head off and it falls on the, on the floor and it rolls. <laughs> That's why heads will roll. Who said it? Kim Yong-shin. Do I know her? You means cousin, the doctor. You what? You means cousin, the doctor. You mean, where is she? <laughs> the cousin who's a doctor. Oh, Young Shin. Right? 
Okay. She's lucky that time is running out. First of all, lady, I never advocate that we should starve children. So to say that I advocate that you should start children and not feed them and just go to the temple, uh, it's not true. So, so uh, you should should stop starving your children. How's that? Please go home and feed them. And be nice to your children. Okay? Anyone has a better idea? Since when do I teach people to starve children? No? <sighs> All right, any other questions and comments? DTT, go ahead. I have a YouTube question from Samson Lau. Master, does that mean that most of us who are cultivating in this lifetime has cultivated in prior lives, and that is how we've planted the seeds to continue to cultivate in this lifetime and the next? In general, in principle, um, for you to get to practice Mahayana, it takes a lot of blessings. You cultivated uh, before, in particular, uh, you be able to practice the kinds of um, Mahayana that we we teach. Uh, it requires a lot of blessings. It requires you to have accrued a lot of blessings in order for you not become alienated. By the way, it's, it's a simple test. Litmus. Litmus test is that how long can you survive? If you are not turned off, then you have blessings. Is that that difficult? So yes, the answer is yes in principle, that uh, the reason that you are not turned off is because you have prior blessings. So that's why your, where you plant blessings matter, uh, very much like uh, why very much like uh, if you have the blessings, it gives you access to these, this network of practitioners, okay, who will support you. Hmm. All right, so yes, short answer is yes. Hmm. So careful, plan, plan blessings at the proper places to give you access. And you clearly you've done it already. That's why, that's why you're able to have access to this. Okay. All right. Anything else? If not, time is up. Look at that. Look at that. We have a big temple. The biggest temple we have is the Wei Mountain Temple, and it's uh, no one there right now. Clearly, these people have no blessings. 
only three of them who are working. <laughs> okay. Okay, thank you everyone. That's uh do we that's uh do a rebirth transference to help people get at the pill end. Mm. That's one of our uh, part of our network as well. <laughs>